Holmes remembered topping them. What the fuck was the only English Signor Albinetto had ever known, or at least said. Learned from the soldiers. From the donkey's back, the man motioned for Hopkins to step closer so that he could reach out and, with his hand, test his height and the breadth of his body. Inglesi, he said. Si, Signore. I have been here before. What the fuck? said the old man. He nodded in the direction of the second donkey, and Hopkins picked up his bag and silently walked back. The donkey appeared to expect him, and he climbed on it without trouble. In front, the Italian treated his beast to a flat-footed kick, and the little procession began to descend into the valley. Towards La Serena. Chapter One you could smell the town from three miles out to sea. A place, a sky, a wind full of fish. Only strangers did so. Not anybody who lived there or worked with the boats. They had long forgotten the smell. The trawler was inside the three-mile limit by now, slopping through the water. Hopkins looked towards the land, leaden and low, and sensed the skipper Emrys Prothero turn the wheel to port. Soon they would be back. For Hopkins, his last landing. He was sick of the place, sick of fish. A convoy sat outside Milford Haven arrived with a sense of relief from the western approaches. It rested solidly, big block-shaped liberty ships from America laden with war cargoes. German submarines did not pick them off as they used to. Most of them now arrived. Gulls came out to meet the trawlers, squawking for their share, whirling round the boat. Hopkins scarcely noticed them. His work was almost done. It was always wet and cold. The shore lightened, and he could see vehicles moving against the shadows of the dockside streets, and even the tight yellow light in the van of the canteen where volunteer women worked from dawn. Nobody paid much attention to the blackout now, and at this time it was officially daylight. As they moved to the fish jetty, he picked up his bag and got ready to go ashore. The other men did the same, leaving the skipper alone and looking unwanted on his bridge. The fish would be unloaded by different men and gutted by women in the sheds along the quay. The gangway was put in place and the fisherman trudged up its slope. Nobody said goodbye, nor did he expect them to. He would not miss them and they would not miss him. It was a hard life and it was not made for friendships. Without much hesitation, he walked up Talbot Street. He had not taken off his sea boots and had only opened the front of his yellow oilskins. He saw the upstairs curtains move at her house and turned in through the gate and up the tiled path. It just gave her time to open the door without him knocking. There, she said, with only the touch of a smile. Fancy seeing you. Just happened to be passing, he said. They said the same things every time. She opened the door almost fully. She was wearing a pink dressing gown. Come on in, Davy, she said quietly. You could do with a cup of tea. And a nice bath. Without a word, he went through the door. She helped him as he peeled away his stiff oilskins. 
as she usually did, she surveyed him for a moment, as if to make sure he was still all there, before taking the yellow oilskins into the scullery. She said, I'll see to them later, Davy. There's no need, Gwen, he replied. Don't you bother yourself. Ma'am Rowlands is dead, she said. Oh, when was that? Yesterday morning, 737. The exact time of death was always recited, especially by Welsh people, like the last important piece being put into place. She'll be missed, he said. Not so much as she might have been once. Noisily, she filled the kettle and lit the gas stove. Taught half the lads in this town about the facts of life she did. Any one of them from twelve upwards, except Delmy Roberts. And he had a cough, recalled Hopkins, sickly. Consumption, she nodded. So they said, but almost all the others...